You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. God's called the church to be a voice for Him in the world, but it comes with a cost. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That includes St. Petersburg, Florida. And here's what Jesus told us very clearly. Being a voice for God in our world, it may cost you your closest relationships. He tells us, Matthew chapter 10, the enemies that you will incur could be the members of your own family. Would you consider yourself to be a faithful witness of Jesus? Are you looking for opportunities to help further His kingdom by preaching the gospel and making disciples? The prophets that God sent to the people of Israel were commissioned by God to preach a certain message. You also have been commissioned by God to preach a specific message. You're called to fulfill the great commission of preaching the good news and to make disciples of all the nations. Are you obeying that commission? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Micah chapter 1 as he continues his message, Micah Overview, a second witness. laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And the sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient, but you will not get the benefit of it as long as you are going the way you want to go. And God loves us enough. He sends witnesses. Now this is the point that some of you are not going to like it. Greatest prophet, I went back to the most blistering message recorded by Jesus, and you find it in Matthew chapter 23, and he didn't make a whole lot of friends uh, that day, because he, uh, like John the Baptist, confronted the religious hypocrites, the ones who were doing all the religious things, and yet hidden sin in their life. They weren't right with God. And he says in verse 29, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. You're their relatives. And then in verse 33, you talk about not pulling any punches. You snakes, you brood of vipers, you will, how will you escape from being condemned to hell? Nobody talks about hell much anymore, but Jesus did. Therefore, this is what blows me away. I am sending, future tense, you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you'll kill and crucify, others you'll flog in your synagogues and pursue them from town to town. 
You know what's amazing about that statement? He's talking about what he's going to do after they crucify him. Did you catch what I just said? The greatest prophet comes, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They crucified him. They did not receive his message. They rejected it. They rejected him. They put him on a cross. Despite him being crucified by the very people that he's trying to save, he continued to send messengers. He continued to send witnesses. Even though they might not receive them either. And many of them they didn't. You see his heart in verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent are sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, but you were not willing. Now here's the part you're not going to like. Some of us. God's called the church to be a voice for him in the world, but it comes with a cost. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That includes St. Petersburg, Florida. And here's what Jesus told us very clearly. Being a voice for God in our world, it may cost you your closest relationships. He tells us, Matthew chapter 10, the enemies that you will incur could be the members of your own family. Then he goes on to say after that, if you love your mother or father more than me, you're not worthy. If you love family more than me, you're not worthy of me. You know what he said there in terms of your enemies being the members of your own household? He got that from Micah chapter 7, verse 5. That's what Micah the prophet said. Your closest relatives may become your enemies because of your stand for truth and because of who you represent and what you have to say. Hosea tells us that if we're going to be a voice for God in the world, if you're living in a godless culture like Hosea did, that you will look like a fool. He says the inspired person will be a maniac to them, the prophet considered a fool. I don't know if you've experienced anything like that. I was at a hibachi grill a little while back. It's where you go and you, and you sit with a group of people and they have the, the cook that comes and he, he cooks right there in front of you, you know, and I just love those places. They're a little expensive, but I love them. Go every now and then. And I like to especially get a good um, charismatic cook, uh, one that, you know, can do all the things, and, then, and he's kind of funny, you know, and if I get one like that, I'll, I'll try to request him next time I go to that, that restaurant. Well, we got this one guy, I didn't know him, and uh, I'm carrying on a little conversation back and forth, and he's funny, he's very charismatic, I'm like, I like this guy. And then during the back and forth while he's cooking, I learned that he's living with his girlfriend. And I, I took the opportunity to try to encourage him. And in front of everybody else at the table, I encouraged him that he might marry the girl so he wouldn't have to continue to live in, and I used the word, sin. 
You know what he did? While he said, he looked down, he looked down at me. I'm sitting, he, he said, you sound like my mother. <laughs> a few years ago, I was in International Mall. Some of you know this story in Tampa at Dillard's. And I, I found out that they have a sale once a year on shirts like these. And they ha- offer them like 70% off, you know, uh, sometimes. I mean, just really good deals. And so I was, I was there. It was on a Monday, my day off. My wife wasn't with me. And so if you know me, you know I need help in shopping for clothes. <laughs> Young lady was waiting on me, hardly anybody else in the store, and uh, I, I said, would you help me to pick out something that you think looks nice because my wife is not here, you know? And uh, she did. I tried on a few shirts. I had a few ready to get ready to check out, and I'm getting to know this young lady as he's helping with his shirts. And I learned in my conversation back and forth with this lady that she's living with her boyfriend. And I took the opportunity (laughs) to encourage her to go ahead and marry the guy so that they would not continue to live in sin. And I said, by the way, I'm a pastor and I'll do your wedding for free. She looked at me like I was from another planet. She said, sin, huh? I was in a conversation once with my cousin back in South Carolina. She had gone through a divorce. She was lonely. Found out she had met some guy. Discovered she's living with him. It's common in our culture now. It's just a common thing. I got on the phone with her. And on the phone, I took the opportunity to encourage her to either separate from the living situation or go ahead and marry the guy so that she would not have to continue to live in, and I use the word, sin. Silence on the other end. And then when she spoke, my cousin said, sin, huh? You're not going to be popular. We're living in a culture where everybody's just doing what they want to do. Everybody's just kind of doing what feels good. And and then they're justifying it. And listen, we're living in a culture. If you want to find a pastor that will say it's okay, there's a lot of them that will say it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not, look, it's, it's not okay. And we ought to break our hearts. Micah, if you're reading in Micah, it broke his heart. Chapter 1, verse 8, because of this I will weep and wail. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And he had sent prophet after prophet, and now he, the greatest prophet, had come, and they rejected him, and they crucified him. But even though they crucified him, he kept sending witnesses. He kept sending them. He kept sending them. If we're going to be a witness for the Lord, you have to. You have to always look forward to the world to come. 
Because if you're going to be a voice for God in your family, if you're going to be a voice for God in your neighborhood, if you're going to be a voice for God where you work, if you're going to be a voice for God at the university, at the college, at the middle school, at the elementary school, if you're going to be a voice for God, if you're going to be a witness, it's going to cost you. And you got to be looking forward. And you got to have the kind of perspective that Jesus encouraged in Luke chapter 6. Let me tell you what he said. Luke chapter 6. Verse 22, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, Jesus. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that's how the fathers treated the prophets. You're in good company. Woe to you who are rich. You've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well-fed now. Woe, for you'll go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you'll mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. But that's how their fathers treated the false prophets, the ones who weren't willing to confront people, the ones who weren't willing to say, no, this is wrong. Look, these prophets were just like me and you. They didn't like it when people rejected them. They didn't like it when people uh, treated them badly. Nobody does. Nobody does. Seeing the kids do their presentation just took me back. I was five years old. I walked down the aisle of a Baptist church after the pastor there gave an invitation to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And as a five-year-old boy, I walked down front. I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I don't know if that's when I was saved. I don't know. What, what I mean by that is, over a period of time, while I tried to live for Jesus for a period as a young boy, it didn't take long before I just wanted to fit in with everybody else. The natural feeling. By the time I got to middle school, just the peer pressure, uh, just wanting to be liked, especially by girls. And you try to make friends with the people that other people uh, consider cool. And I, I befriended one guy, uh, Gene Hardy. Gene had an older brother, Jeff. Jeff was Jeff was a cool guy, too. They were just cool. They were cool cats. <laughs> Gene and Jeff both worked at Ruth's Drive-In. Ruth's Drive-In was the place that everybody wanted to hang out. Now, I was young then. We had to get somebody to take us to Ruth's Drive-In. We'd get our parents to take us to the Little League Baseball game, and you could walk from the Little League Baseball game over to Ruth's Drive-In, and we'd go hang out at Ruth's Drive-In. And all the older kids that had licenses and drove, they would come and park at Ruth's Drive-In. And, and Gene and Jeff, they were curb boys at Ruth's Drive-In. The curb boys would go out to these cars parked in the parking lot, and they, you'd go up to a window, you'd take somebody's order, you'd go in, you'd put the order in, and then later you'd take the order back to their car, and then you get the money. <laughs> I won the Roost Drive-In Curb Boy Lottery because of my relationship with Gene Hardy. I got a job as a curb boy at Roost Drive-In. I thought, man, my life is set now. 
And Gene was assigned to train me, and I remember the first Friday night of my job, and he trained me. And I'd go with Gene, and I'd tag along with him, and I learned something from Gene. I learned, I learned why Gene always had so much money. It wasn't just because he had a job at Roost Drive-In as a curb boy. It was because when he would go and take the food back and say, here's how much it is, and take the money for the food, if the hamburger was a dollar, he'd charge a dollar and a quarter. If the fries were 50 cents, he'd charge 75. But they didn't know that. And so he would pocket the overage. And Gene, had a lot of money all the time. That first Friday night at Roost Drive-In, Gene trained me, and then I went home and spent the night with Gene at his house. And I was shocked that when everybody else was asleep, Gene snuck into the kitchen and opened his mother's purse and grabbed some cash and came back into the bedroom I was amazed that he would steal from his own mother. If I was living for Jesus, I needed to do something, didn't I? <laughs> but I wasn't living for Jesus. And so instead of being a voice for God, for Gene Hardy, I'm ashamed to say I became just like him. I never stole from my mother. Thank God for that. But I made a lot of extra money at Roost Drive-In. Some of the men and women God called were very young. You can live for Jesus in elementary school. You can for live for Jesus in middle school. You can live for Jesus in high school. But if you're going to, it's going to cost you. Here's what you have to understand. Unless you repent, I don't know if I was saved when I was five years old. I don't know. I only know that at 19, I finally came to my senses. I finally listened to God's voice. I finally repented and said yes to Jesus when I was 19 years old. I don't know if I was saved when I was five or when I was 19. I just know that at 19, that's when the repentance really showed. But you can live for Jesus as a young person. You can live for Jesus on the college campus at the university. You can live for Jesus at the Hibachi Grill in Dillard's Department Store with your family and people that you're closest to. But if you're really going to live for Jesus and you're going to really be a voice for God in this world, going to cost you. Now, here's how we're going to close. Here's how we're going to close. I want to give you some voice lessons. <laughs> Biblical voice lessons. I love the Apostle Paul. He's such a great apostle, but he asked the church for prayer in Colossians 4.3, and he says, pray for me that God would open a door for my message. If you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, have you ever shared Jesus with somebody else? Have you ever been a voice for God in somebody else's life? Listen, if you never have, if you will pray and ask God for an open door, God will in His time, in His way, He'll open a door. You say, I'm not going to pray that. 
But if you really are a Christian, if you really are a Christian, you're called to be a witness. You're called to be a voice. And you don't have to shove Jesus down anybody's throats. You don't have to push him up anybody's nose. You can, you can just say, God, if you will open the door, if you will open the door, and when he does, don't have a heart attack. Pray for clarity. Paul said, and pray that whenever I open my mouth, pray that I'll share it clearly as I should. What does he mean by that? Well, I'll tell you one thing he means, I believe. Don't get it complicated. People are going to ask you all kind of questions. Satan is going to try to get you off track. All the questions that God doesn't answer here. Where did Cain get his wife? All these questions that God hasn't answered. Keep the message simple. Share your story. Share your testimony. The man born blind that Jesus healed. The religious leaders ask him all kind of questions. He says, I don't know. I don't know the answer to all your questions. All I know is I was blind and now I see. Keep the message simple. Make it clear. It's all about Jesus. He's the reason for the season. Paul said in Ephesians 6, pray for me too, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. And he will. He will. Pray for an open door. Pray for clarity. Keep it clear. Keep it simple. You can pray this on the spot too. You can pray as soon as God opens the door. Oh, inside. God, help me. And he will. And then here's the last thing we're going to need. Here's the last thing we're going to need. And maybe this ought to be the first one. Paul also said, pray that I'll declare it fearlessly. Not self-righteously. Not self-righteously, but fearlessly. What a great opportunity, the Christmas season. Family, getting together. Every single Christian has family members that need Jesus. Can I get an amen to that one? Yeah, every one of us do. Oh, I got so much more I could share. Be careful. Don't be Peter in the garden. I was like that with my older brother for years, and I was speaking truth, but I just kept preaching, 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 preaching. Know when to put your sword away. Only the Holy Spirit can help you there. But if you're just making things worse... <laughs> By continuing to talk, just stop talking. They got it. Let them simmer on it. And now pray for them. Pray for an open door. Pray for clarity. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. And pray for courage, Lord. We need the courage to be able to say what needs to be said. Because God loves people. Prayed to receive Christ when I was five, and over time, I just got caught up with everybody else. I got caught up into doing what everybody else was doing. Easy to do. Two people God's speaking to. Maybe three. You're already a Christian. You don't doubt your salvation. But you're not a witness because there are things in your life you need to get right. Things in your life you need to get right. Right now, right here. King David got off track, committed adultery, sexual immorality, other sins. He writes in Psalm 51, as he repents, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and now I will teach transgressors your ways. He lost his witness. Maybe you've lost your witness. You just kind of got caught up with the Gene Hardys of life. You just kind of got caught up, you know. You can repent. 
today. Danny has been walking you through several books of Scripture in a study called Gleanings from the Old Testament. He's been highlighting important stories and characters, demonstrating how they fit in God's kingdom plans. These people you've been meeting didn't have the benefit of the entire Bible to live from. They didn't know Jesus personally. They only had the promise of salvation to come. In fact, many of the people you'll continue to learn about had to trust God to fulfill the promises that He had made to them, even though they wouldn't be fully realized even in their lifetime. God continues to make promises today to you and to other faithful followers. Those things may be fulfilled while you're still alive, but it's possible that the promise is something for the future, something that you have a part in but won't see fully until you're with Him in heaven. Today, be courageous, stand firm in what the Lord has told you, and follow Him faithfully anyway. You have a part to play in God's kingdom plan, so walk it out with confidence with your Creator. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Living Word. We'd like to pray for you during this study. Would you send us an email and let us know how we can do that? Connect with us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue studying in the Old Testament right here on The Living Word.